0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This winter, we're taking a fresh look at a familiar story through our series, Jonah, At Odds with God. Tune in now as we face the same choice Jonah did, to receive God's mission or to resent it. I gotta tell you, you know, you you plan every week, maybe I'm letting you peek too much behind the curtains, but... You plan every single week and, you know, sit down with Kip and we work through and we're try, we try to be very intentional with making sure that what's going to be preached and what we're singing and what we're praying, like it all lines up and um, that it's glorifying to God. We put a lot of effort in, but man, there are some Sundays that I, I um, it's hard, like it just, let me just say that, it's hard because I'm almost like in my mind and my heart, like, okay, I've got to preach in a second. Like, I've got to settle myself down a little bit. Can I just get so caught up with you in worship? And I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for being the kind of church where we can do that together, where we can get caught up magnifying the name of the Lord together and rejoicing in who he is. It's so, so good. Uh, so you guys know I, I've told a lot of stories about Sam, right? Good old Sam, the dog, the poodle. Like I've told lots and lots of stories. He's obedient, like he's a good obedient dog. He's a smart dog. He does what he's supposed. He's a little anxious. Like if I leave him alone, he does, it's a poodle, you know. He gets a little anxious. He might be a big poodle, but he's still a poodle. Like he does get nervous when he's left alone. Way different than the dog we had before him. I haven't talked as much about Reese, but let me tell you about Reese. Reese, Reese was a terrier. Do I have anyone who owns terriers right now? <laughs> All right, so y'all know, like y'all know, everyone else, they don't know yet, but they're getting ready to know. Reese, Reese was there, he was smart when he wanted to be smart, like when he, he was obedient when he was in the mood to be obedient. This is Reese. Here's a picture of Reese. Reese, Reese kind of walked to the beat of his own drum, and, and so what I did is I wanted to help. Give a real picture of who Reese was. And so I have a description. I actually looked up about the temperament of these specific dogs. Let's just leave that picture there because I want you to hear the temperament. It says this it says, Wire Fox Terriers are lively and will not, all caps, will not bling quietly into the background of your home. By nature, they love to dig and they may do so, especially if bored. They're best suited to a family who wants to include their pet in lots, all caps, in lots of active play. The Wirefox Terror is an alert dog and will let its owner know if a stranger is approaching. Obedience classes are recommended to curb the strong hunting instinct. They can learn, I love this, they can learn to get along with other pets. But males can be aggressive towards other males. In other words, this is the perfect dog. If you don't want your dog ever to listen to you ever unless they're in the mood to, this is the dog for you. This is a dog if you always want to have your dog on a leash because otherwise they're going to chase. And you can say, no Reese, all you want. He's not going to hear you if he's chasing something. Like his, he just went temporarily deaf, right? He's not going to hear anything at all. This is the dog. Okay, so it mentioned Digging. If you want to plant some flowers and stuff in the backyard, this wouldn't be the breed of dog for you at all because he's going to dig them all up and be real happy. Reese didn't dig, but he ate his poo like he did. And he especially loved wintertime because they're like poo sickles, you know, and that's probably way too much. And I could tell him, no, I would, I would get on him. I'm like, that's disgusting. You stop it. You stop it. You put that down. And he would just eat faster. You know, he's just so gross. Nasty, nasty dog. I, guys, I, we can switch now. You don't need to be thinking about that image looking at him. We don't need to look at that dog anymore. I, guys, I do. I love dogs. Like I, like, I like big dogs. I like little dogs. I like dogs. And I think they teach us so much. They're like kids, right? Kids teach us so much. And they teach us sometimes that they can do certain things until someone else is around. And you want your kid to show that person that they can do. And then they'll never do it, will they? They won't ever do it then, kind of like dogs. And I would say kind of like us. We do that, don't we? Sometimes. In fact, let me ask you this. You ever have that thing that you know that God wants you to do? Like you know, and it lines up with the word of God like this. I'm, I'm not talking like that thing, like should I get like, a, like a, a red pullover or a blue pullover. I don't mean like that. I mean like that thing in your life that you're supposed to do that would make you obedient to God. And this is what the word of God says. And yet you're in that place kind of like the terrier of like, no, I just kind of do what I want to do anyway. I know what you're telling me, Lord, I just don't really care right now. Like I'm kinda gonna do my own thing. Sometimes we do that, don't we? Sometimes we're a little bit like that terrier. Well, let's take our Bibles and let's open up to the book of Jonah because we're gonna study about a guy, it's a little four chapter book, who is a lot like that, who knows exactly what he's supposed to do, who knows exactly what the Lord's calling him to do, but he's gonna do what he wants to. So many of you, you're familiar with this story. And you know that the story of Jonah is a story of defiance, right? It is a story of defiance, and I think that that's all of us. I think sometimes we have that struggle. We have that place where we're working through it and sorting through it, and so my hope is that through our study, you see the extravagant love of God that comes shining through, even in that place of defiance that we have. Before we dive in, there are a few things that you need to know, and we don't talk about this very much, but... We do have 15 campuses all throughout the Woodside family. Every Sunday, we're all preaching from the same text. If you ever wonder how does that happen, well, we have a teaching team, and then we have a sermon writing team, and that sermon writing team, they're responsible for producing notes for all the campus pastors. So I'll get like pages and pages of notes every single week where they've dug in and they did all this study and all this research and all these illustrations. But then that's really when the work begins for the people who preach on Sunday morning because we take those notes, and that's where we start, but then we do our own study, right? And then we start to work through, and we, no one else is talking about the dog who eats what that dog ate. No one else is going to be talking about that this morning. You're just blessed like that. Like, that's just for Romeo, right? No one else has to deal with that today. They're hearing other illustrations, right? That's just for you. You're welcome. And... Um, <laughs> So in that, this particular series, I just want you to know, has been heavily influenced from one particular author and pastor by the name of Art Azurdia. Years ago, Pastor Steve had heard him preach a series on this topic. In fact, some of you, uh, raise your hands. If you remember that Thrive class that Pastor Steve did way back in the day on Jonah, raise your hand if you were part of that. Two or three. Okay, not very many, so I'm not worried that that makes me actually... A lot more relaxed because I thought, man, I got to make this fresh because if half the room has already heard all this material, I got to up my game. But no, I can just take all the notes and just preach the notes, right? That's what I can do. (laughs) Not really. Anyway, this was heavily influenced, though, from a lot of that study. So, Pastor Steve, years ago, he was the uh, campus pastor here at Romeo, and he did a Thrive class on Wednesday nights, just really diving into the material. Uh, so just wanted you to know that. I think it's important to know sometimes, like, okay, where's this information coming from? That's where it's coming from. Now, as a pastor, I, I do see a temptation that has started to seep through Christianity that I want to address. Sometimes what we do is we look at certain passages of Scripture, like the book of Jonah. And what we do is we almost want to discount it like it's a fairy tale. Almost like this is just some type of parable for the Jewish people, right? Because a person getting swallowed by a fish and staying there for three days, I don't know, that's probably not real. And so what happens is we have Christians today that will take certain areas of Scripture, and it's almost like I'm not going to address that, I'm not going to study it, I'm going to dismiss it as some type of fable or something. I just want to caution you, don't do that. Don't don't do that. Don't take just because you don't experience something on a daily basis and dismiss it as that's not what happened. There wasn't something miraculous that happened. I think there's danger in that because then it leads you to the place of saying, I'm going to take the parts of God, of the Word of God that I want to take, and I'm going to dismiss others as fictional. And I just think that's an awful, dangerous, slippery slope that you don't want to get anywhere near. This is written as a historical account, meaning this is about a real-time in a real place, yes, the story does involve a mass of fish. It does. And it involves a great big plant that grows overnight and a really hungry bug. Like, it's going to involve all of these things that we're going to talk through. We won't even get to the fish today, by the way. But I think it's important that we understand that this is based on a historical account. This is based on, on history. Another thing is the book called Jonah isn't really about Jonah, is it? It's not. Jonah, Jonah's a prophet. There, there's 17 prophets in the Old Testament, books that uh, are, are prophetic books. There's 17 of them. Five major prophets and 12 minor prophets. The major prophets aren't major because they're the really important ones. And the minor ones, they're not that important. No, that's not how it is. The major prophets are major because of the length of the text. Right? And the minor ones just happen to be smaller. And so the 12 minor ones are known as just the 12. Jonah would be part of the 12 Jonah is not about Jonah. Just like Isaiah is not really about Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is about God. It's about our Lord. That's what it's about. Jonah is about the Lord. It's about his compassion, his salvation, his promises, his patience, his mission, his love. Just like the struggle isn't between Jonah and a whale. That's not where the struggle is. In fact, it's not even a whale. You guys know this probably. In the Hebrew... The Hebrew language does have a word for whale. That's just not the word used in Jonah. The word that's used in Jonah is the word massive fish. And so all the kids' coloring books, you know, they should all be changed because they misprinted every single one of them. It's just a big fish, right? So this massive fish. The struggle is not between Jonah and this fish. The struggle is between Jonah and God. That's where the struggle is. The struggle is between Jonah and God. Jonah knows what he's supposed to do, he's just defiant against God that brings us to our big idea the big idea is that defiance defiance gets us nowhere defiance gets us nowhere so I I just said a second ago do you have that thing in your life that you know you're supposed to do but you don't do it you're kind of like a terrier sometimes see that's defiance when we know what we're supposed to do but we intentionally don't do it that is defiance so how Do you recognize defiance in yourself? How do I recognize defiance in myself? That's what we're really looking at today. We're going to see that I am God's servant and I know what God wants. If you want to know what defiance looks like in your life, you have to start with that. With I am God's servant and I know what God wants. That's where defiance will start. Let's dive in. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1. Scripture says this. It says, Now the word of the Lord... Came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah is a prophet. That's what we said just a little bit ago. What's a prophet? Well, a prophet is a person who is, is speaking the word of God with the authority of God to God's people, right? Does that definition make sense? It's a person speaking the words of God with the authority of God to God's people. That's what a prophet is. So when you think about it, isn't that our calling? Our calling is to speak the word of Christ with the authority of Christ, but not just to God's people. Our job is to speak that that word to the whole world, isn't it? That's our job. That's our calling. And when we speak, what are we speaking? Well, We're speaking about the hope that we can have. But what do you need before there's hope? You need repentance. So that's what the prophet would do. When you read throughout the Old Testament, that would be the job. This person who's speaking the word of God with the authority of God to the people of God. And they're going to speak this word of repentance. They're going to say, you're doing this that is apart from the way of God because God's way doesn't change. Bring your life into alignment with God's. Repent. Turn from what you're doing. Stop doing the sin that you're doing and align your lives with God's. That's what the prophet was supposed to be doing. But verse 3 says, but Jonah, man, that's important. But Jonah rose to flee. So he, he absolutely defies God. He rejected against it. Do you know he was the first one that I can find? And the only one I can find of those who clearly, this guy is a prophet. He is called out by God. He's the first one who's, who's divinely chosen to defy God. First one that I can find. Now we see that Moses, Moses hesitated, right? Moses hesitated. We see that Jeremiah questioned. We see that Elijah was scared. But Jonah flat out defied God. Again, he was supposed to be speaking the word of God with God's authority. This is not the first time that the word of God had come to him. You know that, right? This is not the first time that God had come to Jonah. You might write this down your margin to study this afternoon before the Super Bowl. 2 Kings chapter 14. You just need some light reading as you're cooking up your wings. Second Kings 14. This is about 780 BC, just in case I didn't cover that. 780 BC is the year we're talking. Second Kings chapter 14. Listen to what Scripture says. It says, "Jeroboam restored the border of Israel." from Libo Hamath as far as the sea of Araba according to the word of the Lord the God of Israel which he spoke by his servant Jonah the son of Amittai the prophet who is from Gath Hepher so what that just said just to paraphrase it it said that God said to Jonah Jonah you're going to take this word and you're going to give this word to my people here's the word the word is they're rebellious The word is they're living in sin. And even though they're being rebellious right now, even though that's what they're doing, I'm going to expand the borders back to where it was at the time of Solomon. Not not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, not because they're straightening up and flying right, not because of any of that. I'm going to do it just because I'm God and I'm good. That's surprising, isn't it? But yes, what Paul says the Lord does for us Back in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, Or do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? In other words, it's not just that place of when you're so low and so broken, that's the only place God can show up. That's not true. Scripture just said there's times where you're going to experience success in life, and it's going to be good, and that's God's kindness on your life and God's hope is that through that kindness that we turn to him through that kindness we see how good he is and our lives are changed that's not a lot of times what happens though is it I mean sometimes it happens but not always it happens you know what happened with the Hebrew people What they did is they just kind of said, well, look at this. Our borders are expanding. Clearly, God's not upset with the way we're living, so we're just going to do whatever it is we want to do. Because, look, our borders are expanding anyway. Sometimes that's what we do too, isn't it? Sometimes what we do is, well, if the Lord was that upset with what I was doing, clearly he'd let me know. But things are going pretty good, so I think I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Isn't that what we do? But Jonah knew better. Jonah knew that for 150 years, God had been sending prophets, prophets who would say you need to repent from your sin, not not try to defy God, not show defiance towards God, but you need to repent from your sin. Jonah knew this, right? This is what he knew. And so the word of God came to Jonah, verse 2. All that backstory was to get us to here. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. So Nineveh. Nineveh is part of the Assyrian Empire. Nineveh is part of the Assyrian Empire. God makes it clear what he wants Jonah to do. I want you to go and preach about repentance. That's what I want you to do. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach repentance. And Jonah struggles. Why why would Jonah struggle with that? Well, here's one reason. Think of the pattern that God for 150 years had set up. A prophet was the person speaking the word of God with the authority of God to to God's people. The Ninevites aren't God's people. The Ninevites are enemies of God. The Ninevites are the people who have been waging war against God's people. This didn't make sense. And I'm sure he's going, this is not what, what we see Elijah or Elisha have to do. They preach to the Israelites. Hosea, Hosea got to preach to the Israelites. He didn't have to go preach to the enemies of God. And yet that's what he's being called to do. Uh, the second part of verse 2, for there the Ninevites evil has come up before me has come up before me in your Bible, I would underline that. And I'd write a note over to the side to go to Genesis 18. Because that phrase has come up before me gives imagery of what we see with Sodom and Gomorrah. Back in, listen to this, Genesis 18 verse 20. It says, then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And so you see the same imagery that there is an outcry that has come up to me. I've seen it against Sodom and Gomorrah. I've seen it against Nineveh. There's this outcry that's come up to me. The thing is with Jonah, he knows the story of what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't tell Abraham, Abraham, get up and I want you to go preach repentance. No, he said, Abraham Lot, you better get up and get out because I'm bringing judgment. I am a just God and I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to bring judgment, and I think that's what Jonah's waiting for, don't you? Like, Lord, if you'll bring judgment against Nineveh, well, I mean, I guess that'd be horrible, but you're God, and you're going to do what you're going to do. I guess I'm going to let you do it, you know? I think there was this moment that he's waiting for that, but he knows if I preach repentance, they might, they might repent, and God's a good God, and if they repent, what's he going to do? God's going to forgive them. Like, we can't have that. That can't be the case. Now, why would he be so upset? This is one of those areas, uh, church, that I'm I'm gonna filter what I'm gonna say a little bit, and I think you'll understand why. The Ninevites were known as the lords of torture. And if we were in a small group Bible study, and I could look around, and I could kind of confirm who was in the room, I would go into detail right here. The thing is, is I see kids on a very consistent basis uh, sneak their way in here. And uh, so I'm just, I'm just going to be filtered. They're known as the lords of torture. You can look it up later, everything they would do. But let me just tell you, it was the stuff of nightmares. What the Ninevites would do is absolutely terrifying. It is the worst kind of torture imaginable. They would pride themselves on how they could torture and drag out death for their enemies. And when you start to read and when you start to study, I remember when I covered this at seminary, I I really didn't know. And so we looked through a lot of the ancient texts. We look at the carvings that the Ninevites themselves created of their artwork of what they would do. I remember going home to Amy and being wrecked and being like, oh, my goodness, you've got to hear this. And and so you can feel free to look that up later. But again, I I just don't I don't see the benefit of giving you all the gruesome details. But to say they were known as the lords of torture, I, I think will get us there. And so this is the last people that Jonah wanted to go to because it's personal for him. The torture that had been done. And so before we sit here and we look at Jonah and we say, well, I ain't supposed to be God's man. What's wrong with this guy? You have anyone in your life that you know you're supposed to forgive, but you're having a hard time letting go of it? It's hard when it's personal, isn't it? You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You're brought in as a son or a daughter of the Most High. And yet here we are today knowing everything that we know. And we still struggle with this, don't we? We still struggle with forgiveness. And yet that's exactly what the Lord is wanting to see here. And that's something that we still struggle with. Defiance starts with being God's servant and knowing what God wants. Are you seeing what that point is now? Defiance starts when you understand that you're God's servant and you know what God wants. So, what does he do? Verse three. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So this is where he goes on the run. We're going to pull up a map just to show you a picture of what he was supposed to do versus what he did. So he was supposed to go to Joppa. And actually, there's another map that I had that showed like the little dot. He would go by boat first from Joppa up into the water. He'd go straight up. And then straight, kind of around the island, and then straight over to Nineveh. So it was a land and sea journey, 550 to 600 miles, that would take roughly three months. That's what he was supposed to do. Instead, he goes to Joppa, he gets on a boat to go 2,500 miles to Spain. Like He's like, I'm going to go as far away. That trip would take roughly a year to complete. He was going to go on a year-long sea cruise. Let me get as far away from Nineveh as he wanted to go. Now, think what would have had to happen. He would have had to go down to Joppa, knowing the whole time what he's supposed to do. He goes down to Joppa, and he's looking at all the ships that are parked up there, right? And I got to get on one of these boats. What am I going to do? He just happens to find a boat that's ready to go. Well, there happens to be a boat ready to go. All right. Do you have any room on this boat? There just happens to be room on this boat. How much is the fare to go the whole way? Because it's going to cost some money. They tell me how much money. I just happen to have that much money. How can That's what we do sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes what we do is we want to be defiant against the Lord. And things just happen to all line up for us to be able to be disobedient to God. Well, look at all this stuff. I know what I'm supposed to do. But I've got this and I've got this. And everything just fell right into place. Right like it needed to for me to be able to do this. Can I just let you know, just because everything's falling into place, does that not mean that you're being obedient to God? It doesn't mean that you're doing what you're supposed to. You see, Jonah knew, and that's why it says this, because you're like, what was he really trying to, to get at here? Look at verse 3 again. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went on board to go with them to Tarshish. Away. From the presence of the Lord. And your Bible, skip down just for fun to verse 10. Look what it says. It says, and we're not really covering this today. This is just for fun. It says, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is it that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He was trying to get away. He was on the run. He literally was running. Now, why would he do this? Because he knows what it is to be in the presence of the Lord. That's that Isaiah 6 moment, isn't it? When Isaiah had repented from his sin and he stood and he said, here am I, send me. That's to stand in the presence of the Lord. It's when we see in the New Testament to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Lord, I've emptied myself. I'm running from my sin. Here I am. I I am yours. I want to offer all of me as an offering to you. Because it's not my life. I've been purchased I've been purchased by you. Like, this is not my life. This is your life. So, do whatever you want with my life. My minds are captive for you. My mouth is a vessel for you. My hands, everything I am, is for you. But Jonah was saying, No, thank you, Lord no thank you. It's that terrier that you tell to come and sit and he looks at you and walks the other way. That's exactly what Jonah is doing here. Jonah is saying, I'm going to do what I want, how I want, when I want. No thank you, Lord. Which brings us to our last point. What does defiance look like in our lives? It looks like when I know what God wants, but I will not do it. I know what God wants, but I will not. Did you notice it said Tarshish three times, Tarshish. It kept saying that, which I'm not going to do it now because I tried when I was practicing, and I, it's like a tongue twister for me, tarshish, tarshish, Tarshish. I did it anyway, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's, it just keeps saying it. Keeps, why did it keep repeating it? Well, we're not talking about the fish in three days. We'll get to that later, but you know, maybe there's some connections there. Certainly, it's this reminder that, Jonah, you're being disobedient. Jonah, you're being disobedient. You know what that feels like, right? When the Holy Spirit is just bringing conviction in your heart. You you know what you're doing. You're being disobedient. It's when you feel that call to go to Ecuador. And you go on Alaskan cruise, Alaskan cruise, Alaskan cruise, right? That's what it would be like. It'd be like today if you're supposed to go over to your neighbor who's been watching you and listening, and they saw you get up and go to church this morning, and you started some little conversations about the Lord, and you're thinking, man, should I I cook some food and bring them over and invite them in to watch this game tonight? Should I? Instead, you do Art and Jake's, Art and Jake's, Art and Jake's. That's what he's doing. This is the Lord saying, I see what you're doing. Why are you doing this? Jonah, why do you keep running from me? That's what we see here. He keeps going the opposite direction. He's still going, I know what God wants. I just can't do it. Because he's going, I'm either going to choose my people or I'm going to choose my God. Because I know what those people have done to my people. So I'm going to choose my people. I'm going to choose my God. And he just says, God, I can't. I'm out. Yeah. if you follow Jesus, there's going to be a call on your life that you can't escape that you know you're supposed to do. Isn't there? As children, which is all of us, we know that we're supposed to honor, obey our parents, don't we? We know this. Husbands, you know you're supposed to love your wives. But more than that, you're supposed to love your wives like Christ loved the church. He gave his life for the church. You should love your wife sacrificially, meaning not expecting anything in return. It's not about what you can get. It's not about you. It's a sacrificial love. Wives, you're supposed to love your husbands. Do you realize the love that the two of you have? Valentine's Day is tomorrow, y'all. The love love that the two of you have, it should be the most selfless act in the whole entire world, the way that you love each other. Anyone with kids, the way that you love you, that should be the second most selfless act, the way that you love your children. There should be nothing selfish about that. For every single one of us as followers of Jesus, for all of us, we know that we're supposed to live a life that's different than the rest of the world. The way that we speak should be different. The way that we forgive. The way that we're, we're generous. The way that we're disciples should be different. What we do with our time, talent and treasure should be different. We know that we're supposed to make disciples. We know that we're supposed to tell people about the goodness of God. We know that we're supposed to not be afraid, open our mouths and keep on speaking. We know that we're supposed to do these things. We know we're supposed to teach and we're supposed to baptize. We know what our calling is. I preach about it every single Sunday. We know what we're supposed to be doing. Speaking of baptism, by the way, quick time out. Easter's coming, and we're going to do some baptisms on Easter, y'all. And I'm really pumped about this. Like, I'm seriously, I'm so fired up. Because I know there's a lot of people in this room. There's a lot of people watching online that you're like, I plan to be back by Easter. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, and after that moment, you have not yet been baptized, this is easter stop putting it off stop being like the terrier like jonah or whatever like stop it like stop doing that take that step of obedience so here's what i need you to do if you picked up a bulletin on the way in that back cover tears off it's a communication card just write down your name you can write down your phone number and you can just write down i need baptized right that's all you have to do easter's coming You can write that. That's fine too. Whatever you want to write. And when you leave, you can either drop it. There's some offering boxes on the walls. You can either drop it there or you can hand it in at the next step desk right there around the corner, right here out this door. Or I'll be standing in the hallway. You can just hand it straight to me. And I promise we'll follow up with you. Easter's coming. I'm so pumped about it. It's going to be great. Anyway, the thing is, we all know what it is to be Jonah. And I think that's the thing. We all are Jonah sometimes, aren't we? We all know what it is to know the calling of God on our lives and intentionally do the other thing. There's one more thing I want to point out before I wrap it up. Do you know where Jonah was from? He was from about three miles northeast of Nazareth. That's in Galilee. Now remember, this is 780 B.C. So fast forward about 780 years. 780 years later, Jesus is walking this earth, and the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and they're shaking their heads going, yeah, I don't know, a prophet from Galilee, I don't think that's a thing. In fact, here's what they said, John 7, verse 52, it says, search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. The, the, the Pharisees, they prided themselves on being so smart, on so together. And they're like, you can search and see there's no prophet from Galilee Which then I love over Matthew chapter 12, what Jesus says. He says, so uh, just as Jonah, just kind of a reminder there. Hey, y'all forgot about him, didn't you? He goes, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Friends, Jesus never went the opposite direction. Jesus fixed his eyes on the cross, and he was very, very, very determined to get there and give his life as a ransom for many. Give his life for those who would defy him, who would reject him, who would yell, crucify him. He was so determined to get to the cross Because you and I so oftentimes live our lives like Jonah. We so oftentimes live our lives pushing against God's ways, finding excuses, finding a direction other than the direction that we've been called to go. And when Jesus Christ came and lived and died and lived again, he did that so that we could be forgiven of that sin. We could be forgiven of doing things our own way if you've never given your life to Christ I know that I've talked about it over the last few weeks maybe today's your day maybe today through the story of Jonah you're looking going that's me I've been doing that my whole life I don't want to do that anymore how ridiculous does it look to look at that map and to see Jonah was supposed to go here Jonah went here I mean up on the screens you know it's that far away don't you figure that's kind of how it is to God there's nowhere you can hide from God he created the heavens and the earth you're not going to hide from God maybe that's hitting you today I don't want to try to hide from God I'm tired of that life I want to surrender to Jesus as Lord I just want you to know in just a few moments we're going to have prayer team members right up here they'll be right over here in this corner they would love to pray with you and maybe you don't even know what to ask I, I just want you to know that's okay Just go up to them and say, hey, I need to know this Jesus is Lord thing. I need some help. Will you pray with me? Will you talk me through it? They would love to talk you through it. The thing is, most in this room, your brothers and sisters in Christ already. Most watching online, we're, we're Christians. I just want to encourage you something. I asked at the very beginning, do you have any of those areas that you know what God is calling you to? It's in the Word of God. You know what He's calling you to. But, man, you've been pushing against it. It's God's grace that we're here today. It's his goodness. It's his mercy that we're gathered today. Why not today just say, Lord, I, I don't, I don't want to run. You don't need to send these, these fish or storms or anything else in my life to try to get me back on track. I hear your word, and I hear it clearly. And so, Lord, today I want to repent of that sin, and I want to turn to you. Friends, the freedom that we have, it's in Christ. father we thank you we thank you for the all encompassing love that you pour out on us lord for the story of Jonah this man that for so much of his life he gave his life to knowing and following hard after you of speaking the truth your truth with your authority to your people and God in just a blink he completely got knocked off track So God, I pray for my brothers or sisters where maybe that's how they feel. They feel like they're in that place of they've been knocked off track. Lord, let today be that day that we once again surrender everything to you. We don't try to do life our way for our name or our fame. But Lord, your name, your renown continues to be the desire of our hearts because you have rescued us and you have redeemed us so that we could be free in you, not captive to sin. Lord, again, we thank you for the incredible gift of today. You are so good, and your mercies endure forever. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Church, today I just want to remind you we have freedom in the Lord, and it is in that freedom that we continue to rejoice, we continue to worship, we continue to praise. Let's stand as we close our morning worshiping together.